0: Donald Trump making news while I was gone. It's not even really his fault. He just he got indicted again. And so um, he was not charged with conspiracy to incite violence. He was not charged with conspiracy to incite an insurrection. I always feel like it's a fiddler on the roof number. No, he was charged Because he spread, he, quote, spread lies that there had been outcome determinative fraud in the election and that he had actually won. End quote. This is from the filing that special counsel Jack Smith. uh, Filed. I don't understand that. Now, granted. Like, I'm just a caveman lawyer here, but it seems to me like um spreading lies about election fraud is still protected speech right what am i missing here right because like you could if you spread lies about really anything it doesn't even matter to me what the lie is if you want to spread lies that is protected speech i mean look the i mean NBC News has been doing it for decades, right? I mean, come on. They There's, I mean, politicians, I mean, look, Josh Stein, the attorney general of North Carolina, literally went to court to make the argument that he should be able to lie about his opponent during campaign season when he puts out ads that are obviously lies. And that a state law that says you can't do that Runs afoul of the First Amendment. Now, maybe some intrepid North Carolina political reporter would. Okay, all right. Well, okay. Well, maybe somebody could ask Josh Stein maybe during a debate. How about that? During one of the gubernatorial debates, when Josh Stein either gets through the Democrat primary or in the in the primary, whatever, when he's up on a stage, maybe ask. Hey, Donald Trump has been indicted for promoting this lie, this uh, spread lies that there had been outcome determinative fraud in the election, right? So how does that reconcile with your litigation that said you were allowed to lie about, what was his name, Jim Snyder, I believe? Is that his name? I I, I think I'm getting that wrong. But anyway, his former Republican... Yeah, his former Republican opponent in the general election last time from the the DA from Forsyth County, I believe. He lied about him in their ads. And then when the campaign, the Republican campaign sued or asked for, well, they asked for a complaint. And the district attorney in Wake County, Lauren Freeman, a Democrat, by the way, she said, well, yeah, I mean, it does seem to meet the. Uh, The standard of the law. And so she started an investigation. And that's when Josh Stein was like, oh, no, no, wait a minute. I should be able to lie about whoever I want during a campaign season. That's free speech and the chilling effect and all of that. And this gets to what Kevin McCarthy was saying. I played it in the first hour, that clip where he was like, look, Democrats have been saying this stuff for 20 years. Democrats have been saying the same stuff for 20 years, which honestly, no wonder Donald Trump says this stuff. The guy's been a Democrat for decades. Right. I mean, this is he's a New York real estate developer. Right. Plugged into the Democrat circles. Is it any wonder that he says this stuff because that's what Democrats have said for 20 freaking years. Every time a Republican wins, they say it's election fraud of some kind. Right. That, oh, the ballots didn't get counted in the hanging chads and Al Gore's Internet, whatever. Like they say that he actually won and George W. Bush lost. They made that argument. They made the same argument when Hillary Clinton lost in 2016. They tried to, to do the thing with the faithless electors. They tried to rig that. They tried to claim that it was the Russians with the $200,000 in Facebook ads that they took out. And that's the reason why Hillary really lost in 2016. It's not that she's a congenital liar that everybody hates and is just not a good campaigner or candidate or human being. That can't have anything to do with it. No. The fact that you would lose to a guy like Donald Trump, like that, that, that had nothing to do with her. That was just the election, the rigging of the system, or something. Which, by the way, this is why it is important for the left to undermine the U.S. Supreme Court, to undermine the legitimacy of the U.S. Supreme Court, because that's where this stuff is now going to go. All of these cases are going to end up in front of the Supreme Court. And if you know that you have no legal grounds upon which to argue this crap, then you're going to need to undermine the legitimacy or the credibility of the court when they come down and say, yeah, that's obviously not constitutional. And then you get to go and fundraise and say, oh, the crazy court, those wacko conservatives applying the laws it's written, we all know what it really means, and that's what they should have ruled. In order to secure convictions for Trump, Jack Smith, the special counsel, is going to have to bulldoze through not just the First Amendment, but also existing case law. And the existing case law says even false statements are protected speech. Jonathan Turley, he's the uh, law professor, uh, the Shapiro Professor of Public Interest Law for George Washington University. He's a liberal, has been, for a long, long time. Sorry, I don't mean like a liberal has been, but he, he has been, a liberal for a very, very long time, but he's consistent. He's a constitutional lawyer, constitutional expert. And for a long, my, my entire career, Turley was a guy that was held up by the left, by Democrats, by media. His opinions carried, dare I say it, gravitas. As a threshold matter, he says, as a threshold matter. One problem is immediately evident. If Donald Trump does or did believe that he did not lose that election, that's all it takes. If Donald Trump believes it, right? This is like the George Costanza defense. It's not a lie if you believe it, right? (laughs) But no, like this is he if he really does believe that he did not lose that election, then the indictment collapses. Because it's not, in his mind, it's not a lie. He believes it. And honestly, I think he does. I do. I think he does. He has said it for so long that even if at one point he wasn't sure, I think he believes it now. And honestly, I think he probably believed it then. Now, I don't know. Maybe they've got some witnesses that are going to come in and they're going to say that Donald Trump knew during all of the uh, uh, the early you know, court battles and Right after the election and maybe they're going to produce evidence or, you know, compel witnesses to say, oh, no, yeah, Donald was like, oh, this is totally a lie, but I'm going to say it anyway. Right. M- maybe. But if they don't have anything like that and it's all just, you know, Donald Trump believed it still does, then I don't understand how this is even a case at that point. Um, Turley goes on to say the government acknowledges that the Constitution protects False statements made in campaigns, but it insists that Trump must have known that his statements were false and therefore was engaged in fraudulent statements to obstruct or challenge electoral results. But if Trump believed it, then that collapses. And so he says in an effort to demonstrate his knowledge, the indictment details how many people told Trump that he was wrong about the election and wrong about the law. Charlie says, look, I was one of those people. I told Donald Trump that you were wrong. You lost. I was telling him that. But Trump did not listen to me. He did not listen to most legal analysts. He did not listen to his White House counsel. No, he listened to a small group of lawyers who assured him that a challenge might succeed and that there was evidence of massive election fraud. And so he listened to them. He, look, you could say that's motivated reasoning, Right. He wanted to believe it. And so he went with the people that were the yes men for him. OK, that doesn't change the legal calculus here. It's still the same. Right. He he believed it. He wanted to believe it. He got some lawyers that told him, oh, yeah, you're right. We could totally win this. And so he went along with them and he, he ignored or rejected all of the evidence or the legal advice that was provided contrary to that. But again, that doesn't prove that he engaged in any criminal activity. Trump is allowed to seek out enablers. He is allowed to hire lawyers that tell him what he wants to hear. All presidents do this. In fact, Joe Biden ignored virtually every single legal expert that told him you cannot forgive, quote unquote, all that student loan debt. You can't do it. It's unconstitutional. And he ignored every one of them, literally everybody, except one Crazy lawyer, and he went with that guy, and of course, the whole thing got overturned by the u.s Supreme Court. Is that a criminal act? I would say so, right? If the president behaves in an unconstitutional manner and if this this is the standard that we're going to apply, then we need to indict Joe Biden because all these other lawyers said don't do it it's illegal, it's unconstitutional, and they turned out to be correct. no, oh, I'm sorry, so you want different standards I see different standards mmm. Let's head over to the phone lines, and we'll pick up Terry here. Welcome to the program. Hello, Terry.
1: Hey, uh, yeah, this is um, it's hilarious. Really, the Democrats and rhinos have stepped up to the board carrying the checkers, and they forgot the game's chess. Um, the only thing taking President Trump to uh, court's going to do is first he'll get a change of venue. That's, I mean, that's going to be a given, and that'll allow more time for more evidence to come out because they'll try to start. Um, prosecuting him anyway, uh, and of course he'll start delivering all the evidence of so the videos of the people stuffing the ballots and all the, the mules that they had bringing extra ballots in these other swing states, and and then the people pulling ballots out from under tables after everything's been closed down and running ballots through over and over and over. I mean, these these are all videos that are plainly out on the internet, been out there ever since the, the uh, election, and all this is going to do is it's going to allow him to produce more exploratory evidence for his innocence, uh, and and to prove the actual vote fraud that that was committed um, by the Democrats and the rhinos. I mean, it, they they had help. I mean, it, besides the Chinese and whoever else. Um, and this can go all the way back to uh, the Russian collusion thing. I mean, when, once they start this, uh, let's take it to court. And I hope Shifty Shift, Mister Standard Hotel. I hope he does get it all all televised because this will wake up more people and show them the two tiered justice system that we've had in this country uh, since before I was started policing. Um, the time I wasn't in the military in the Marine Corps, uh, and we did ex- we did expand Guantanamo Bay. We're we're ready and we've got a we've got a geriatric ward just for a few people. Um, so Terry, so yeah,
0: this, uh, let me ask you what ha- what, what what happens if. There isn't exculpatory evidence that you've just uh, predicted would come out. What if that doesn't exist? What if that doesn't happen? What if they don't present it?
1: Well, it's, I mean, that's going to be presented.
0: That's, but I'm asking you if it doesn't.
1: If it doesn't, that still flies in the face of the United States Constitution, which I gave an oath to. And many people gave an oath to the to the Constitution, including the ones that's, that's trying to pull this crap. Um, and the Constitution is, is written in plain English. There's no ifs, ands or buts. It tells the government what it can't do. It restricts the government, not the people. Mm-hmm. And they're they're in the process of trying to well, they've already um this uh what's his name, the um when everything comes out and Trump starts his, his thing, he can be brought up for violating Trump's First Amendment right because Trump had a right you know, the only thing you can't do is holler fire in a crowded uh, movie theater. Yeah, um, and really. the congressman well. can get up and lie in the Senate, in the in the House, and they can't be held for anything. Mm-hmm. So, and and like you said, there is case precedents already that uh, even if it, even if people think it's a lie and, and the person believes it uh, that that said it, then to them it's still good. It's I mean, and the first the, the first amendment doesn't say you can't lie.
0: Right. Uh, so, know, but are
1: responsible for what you say. But
0: right. So the so the first part of it is a protected speech argument. Now, what this guy Jack Smith is arguing uh, and indicting on is that that was all in furtherance of a conspiracy, essentially, to impede or obstruct electoral results. If and they knew it was a lie, and so therefore they had constructed this um, uh, this strategy in order to keep control of the government, even though they had lost the election. And so essentially this, uh, but, but they're not charged with, um, you know, he's not charged with insurrection. He's not charged with a coup or anything like that. It's, it's this obstruction or challenging of uh, electoral results. And that's right. not, yeah, it's, oh, I so I'm not really clear.
1: Smith still has to prove that. And that's, that's going to be beyond a reasonable doubt, mm-hmm. which he will not have. I mean, there, you know, with one plain sentence uh, or the word peaceably, you know you go peaceably up there. Now you can you know you can go back and, and they can well, they can say that he asked Pence to do X, Y and Z and that wasn't Pence's uh, in Pence's purview. but when you look at where they went back after that and changed that law where Pence could call off the, the or call, recall the votes back to the states, uh, that was legal. Um, Pence did have um, the ability to do that. Had Pence followed through with what was supposedly legal to do,
0: right? Yeah, and I'm the, I don't agree with that legal assessment. No, I. Yeah, no, I, I agree with Pence's. Uh, I agree with with Pence's legal interpretation and his lawyers and all of the lawyers that. Because look, you, know, you got competing legal uh, advice here. You got some lawyers telling Trump that Pence can do it. And you got a bunch of other lawyers telling Pence he can't. And so, uh, it's a, it's a legal disagreement. And I, I mean, I, I was persuaded by the argument that persuaded Pence. So, uh, that's where I came down on that. But I, Terry, I appreciate the call. consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor there really is something for everyone at old grouch's military surplus in beautiful downtown clyde and online at oldgrouch.com jonathan turley who is um the D-D-D- shapiro professor of public interest law at george washington university and he had a piece at the mm, over the weekend and he says, the case that Jack Smith is bringing against Donald Trump, this is not on the classified documents, although I have an update on that. This is on the telling of the lies that he 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 won the election, it was rigged and all that right. And so he was telling all these lies and um, and I guess he's going to try to make this argument that Trump didn't believe it. And so they were constructing this plan to overthrow or overturn the election based on lies that they knew were lies. Okay, I guess that's where they're going with it. Um, He says, uh, the case which criminally targets the sitting president's leading opponent is much more dangerous because it sets up the federal government as the arbiter of truth. The indictment essentially charges Donald Trump with not accepting the truth. And so there's no limiting principle to the indictment. The government would choose which politicians are lying and which ones are lying without a cause, right? That's what Smith is advancing, this idea that that GovCo would say this is the truth, and if you are advancing something other than that, you don't have a cause to do so. And so you're now criminally liable. Under our current understanding of free speech, he says Democrats ranging from Hillary Clinton to Congressman Jamie Raskin were engaged in protected speech when they called Trump illegitimate and challenged the certification of his win, even though they knew their challenges were completely meritless. Yet this indictment suggests that Trump engaged and still engages in criminal conduct by insisting that the 2020 election was stolen. Presumably, it also follows that tens of millions of, Amer- of Americans holding the same view as Donald Trump are apparently also involved in spreading the same false claims underlying the indictment. Charlie goes on to say that Smith could still secure the cooperation of insiders to support a claim that Trump knew. And he notes, as I have before, where is Mark Meadows? There are a couple of other former Trump lawyers who do not appear to be among the six referenced criminal co-conspirators. Right? Where's Mark Meadows? He's not one of the co-conspirators. And there is a rumor, in fact, in Trump world, they're referring to Meadows with the little emoji in their text messages of a rat. One of those six could also flip and say that Trump said that this was all an undeniable but useful sham. Right. So maybe they have some lawyers that are going to go on the record or some aides. that are going to say, yeah, Trump knew this was all fake, but he thought this was the way to maintain power. But even assuming even if we assume that Trump knew that all his claims were were lies, they was all false. It that there would still remain the controversial effort to link his false claims to the actions of other people when they challenged the election. And even then there remains a constitutional problem of criminalizing political lies. In the 2012 decision, United States versus Alvarez, the the U.S. Supreme Court in a 6-3 ruling said that it is unconstitutional to criminalize lies in a case involving a politician who had knowingly lied about his military decorations. This guy Alvarez knew what he was saying was were lies he knew that and it didn't matter to the supreme court on a constitutional argument he's allowed to lie so even as and the point here is that that is up for the people to decide this is why you know a republic if you can keep it that's a key part of that statement is it if you can keep it this is on us to determine so even assuming that smith can prove that trump lied there's still this constitutional barrier to criminalize his false statements. And that's why the threshold constitutional claims in the indictment should be addressed by the courts before it ever goes forward. The problem could be the judge. Even liberal pundits admit that the judge in this case, Tanya S. Chutkan. 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 I don't know. Uh, how would you pronounce it? C-H-U-T-K-A-N shoot con anyway tanya tanya she has uh, used past january 6th cases to vent this is the quote worst judge trump could have gotten and maybe that actually helps him because she's going to be so over the top biased that it will undo any victories that the the special counsel might bring or might win right that i mean that's possible She could force a case to be tried that should not even be tried and would then get tossed out. But it would occur during the campaign, and so that's the benefit. You get to have the trial during the campaign, and then nobody wants Trump to be president, and then we win. Like, that's the idea. Let's go over here and get Jesse on. Hello, Jesse. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you for taking my call.
0: Yes, sir. Yeah, the
1: only thing they haven't charged Trump with is, is murder. And um, not to not, not to say it's a conspiracy, but I and not to give the Democrats any idea. But I think everybody forgets there was a, there was an innocent woman, well, innocent to the point she was at the front steps, I guess, and was shot through a door mm-hmm. and murdered. And no one talks about that. But if Trump is found guilty for a, uh, causing an insurrection and a riot, now they can charge him for murder.
0: So he's not. So they're not charging him with the insurrection, which is it's like him for, for, for for causing it. Starting it. Well, no. This is just uh, now that that may come at some other point, but this is just he was engaged in an effort to overturn the results and obstruct a government process or procedure. So they're not even they're not even linking him to the insurrection activities like they tried to do with Madison Cawthorn and some of the other uh, speakers at that January sixth rally. And I think part of the problem they're going to have if they try to link Trump to quote insurrectionist activity. Is the fact that he said go home and to go down and peacefully demonstrate, do it peaceably, right? So he he made those direct statements, and so that undermines <laughs> right? it would undermine their ability to charge him with that. If they could, I have no doubt they would try to go after him for the insurrection because then they could they could prevent him from becoming president, right? Because if you're if you're guilty of insurrection, you don't get to be president. You don't get to right. run for office anymore. So, and th- th- this was what was tested, uh, you know, against people like Madison Cawthorn, although he ended up losing in the primary. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a very, uh, it's a very politically fraught pathway that we're proceeding down. Jesse, I appreciate the call, sir. All right, more on that in a minute. First, let me tell you, the Heritage Life Skills event was fantastic. Every year, Bill and Jan Stirett organized the event to help people get educated on how to be prepared for anything. The Sturetts own Carolina Readiness Supply. 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials you'll need for any kind of emergency. have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between Carolina readiness supply can help you in Waynesville and always at Carolina veteran owned Carolina readiness supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? I mentioned this, uh, yeah, this sick guy is a sick guy. I don't know why they're calling him sick, but he's, uh, but he turned the tables on a shoplifter. He's a convenience store owner. And, um, that some guy walks in and he's got like a trash can, like a big, you know, one of those big, like 30 gallon gray industrial trash cans and it's lined with the black plastic bag. And he's just walking through this convenience store. It's not a very big store. And, And the guy is just stealing everything. He's just like taking his arms and just like sweeping entire shelves worth of merchandise into this rolling garbage can. And they're telling him, like, what are you doing? They're like yelling at him and stuff. And the guy, the thief, the shoplifter, he he keeps saying, oh, you can't stop me. There's nothing you can do. And he was mistaken. Just a heads up. Spoiler alert. He was mistaken. There was, in fact, something that the store owners could do and, in fact, did do. They beat his posterior, quite literally, with a wooden broom handle <laughs> yeah they took him down and one of the guys oh seek yeah that makes more sense he's cause, right because he has the big yeah okay he had the big hat the big turban or whatever it is um so he uh yeah he beat that guy as his uh fellow store owner i guess uh, they were co-workers or whatever or co-owners One of the guys, the more like the younger guy with the muscles, he went and got the guy into like a headlock uh, and or a half Nelson or something. And then like the other dude is over there with a with a broom handle. And he is just bam, 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 just hitting him in the legs, hitting him in the butt. And then he's like, stop, stop, you know, and he's not stopping. He's telling he's showing him like you're finding out. Uh-huh. You did the first part of that sentence, and now you're finding out the second part of the sentence. So I saw this video. I saw this video while I was on vacation, and and the first thing I thought was, this guy's going to get in trouble. I mean, wait, not the shoplifter I, mean, come on. no, not the shoplifter, the seek. I said, he's going to get in trouble. Sure enough. Yep, sure enough. Because it's in California. The viral scene unfolded in California, showing a man shoveling entire shelves worth of tobacco and other products into a trash can while taunting the owner with proclamations that there's nothing you can do. The shoplifter quickly learned that's not true as he was tackled to the ground and then beaten with a rod. Apparently, while many California cities have no desire to actually enforce the laws against people who steal from business owners and put them in financial peril, they are interested in enforcing battery laws involving the protection of said businesses. According to a new report, the Sikh man is now facing criminal charges as local police investigate the incident. This is at redstate.com, and it raises a question for me, and if you've never Uh, If you've uh, never been burglarized, if you've never had property stolen from you, you might have a different opinion than I have in this case as one who has had uh, property stolen from me, as one who has been the victim of a home burglary. We were not home, so it's not a home invasion. It was a burglary. But they broke into our home. They stole a bunch of stuff, put it in our car, and drove away. This was, uh, what, 15 years ago. Almost. Almost and one of the things i talk about in you know life liberty the pursuit of happiness you know time first off what is money what is currency there is no value to the actual dollar itself there's nothing intrinsically valuable about it as a currency what makes it valuable is the full faith and credit right of all of us and the government but it's to say that hey this has some Uh, This has some value, and I will trade you a unit of this currency as a marker. And so it's a way for us to kind of harmonize values of different products or services. So if you have a chicken and I have a saddle, I'm not going to trade you one saddle for one chicken because the saddle took a lot of time for me to make, and the one chicken is very small. But if I'm starving to death and I have no horse, then maybe the value changes and I can swap the whole saddle, whatever. But without doing a one-for-one trade there, you use the money as a, as a obviously, a currency. The same goes for true with time. You trade units of your life for time, or for money, rather. Units of your life for time. You are trading a unit of your life for currency, which you then trade for elsewhere for other things. So when people take stuff from you, they are robbing you of portions of your life. I'm not saying they're killing you. I'm just saying they're taking units of currency that denote a sacrifice of your life. You don't get that time back. So what is the proper response when somebody comes in and they start pillaging your business. Am I allowed to beat that guy? Yes, but to a certain extent, like how far is too far? Am I allowed to protect my property? And if you're going to tell a business owner that they're not allowed to protect their property through violence, if need be, yes, through violence, because when words don't matter anymore, when words don't work, then all you have is violence. And that's why I'm a big believer in peacefully settling disagreements through politics and rhetoric and discourse and debate. Because when the, when the talking stops, the fighting starts. And when someone is robbing you, do you have the right to use force against them to stop that from occurring? I would submit the answer to that question is yes. But apparently in some areas, that answer is no. In which case then I will not go into those areas. Because I am not going to be a victim. I am not going to go in and set up a business so I can be robbed of units of my life and never get the ability to get justice for that, never get compensation for that, to just be a repeated and perpetual victim. Not going to do it. Don't know why anybody would. Banchi, writing at redstate.com, some are making the argument that the force used on the shoplifter in the video was excessive, and as a purely legal matter, maybe that's true. The shoplifter was begging for mercy while the store owner continued to swing back and strike him. The question is at what point the store owner is expected to disengage, and maybe he passed that point. He says, I think that argument misses the broader point of what normally law-abiding citizens are dealing with and what the ultimate consequences are of refusing to enforce the law against criminal uh, vagrants. These business owners, and just like other people walking down the street, are being ignored by local cops and prosecutors as they get harassed and assaulted and stolen from. It's just a matter of time before people reach their breaking point. This is what vigilantism does look like, and you're encouraging more of it. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.